I mean, after being a stay-at-home mom for two years and literally being told by a recruiter that I could not get a job because I had a gap on my resume, I had such imposter syndrome going into Alpha Lab. I was like, we're not going to get in. Even when they told us we got in, we're like, no, we didn't. We're like, they're going to change the code on us. They're going to be like, psych, just kidding. Like, seriously, totally doubted ourselves. But you have to push past it. Hey there, it's the Gold Digger Mom Podcast, the podcast about moms creating their own opportunities to help inspire you to create your own opportunity, whether it's a side hustle or a full-time business. I'm your host, Lydia Poole. Thank you so much for joining me. Priya Amin is on the show today. Priya, along with her partner, Jessica Strong, are the founders and co-CEOs of Flexible, a pop-up childcare company. I wanted to interview Priya because she and Jessica pitched the idea for Flexible to Alpha Lab, a business accelerator. And once they were accepted, Alpha provided them with office space, interns, legal advice, and $50,000 to start their business. I think a lot of women wouldn't even consider applying to an accelerator, but don't sell yourself short. If you have a great idea or a great product, an accelerator might just be the way to get your business launched. And I really love hearing Priya's story of how they went through this journey. But as you heard in the opening, Priya really struggled with her confidence. Even after they were accepted to this program, she had a hard time even believing that they were accepted and that she had any business being a CEO of a company. And I think that's such a relatable thing. She struggled so much with her confidence that Priya actually sought out the help of a confidence coach who worked with her to overcome her imposter syndrome and help her build her confidence. There's really so much good stuff in this interview like how Priya and Jessica pivoted their original business idea when they hit a wall instead of just giving up. But the main thing I took away from this interview was the importance of having a business partner as a mom entrepreneur. Priya credits her success to finding the right partner and turning a competitor into a collaborator. I'm really excited to share this story with you today. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. Flexible started in 2016. We, um, I, I can even go all the way back because I think the story leads up to this and is pretty compelling. But um, I have a background in business and marketing. I got my MBA about 12 years ago. Uh, worked in big corporate America for years, IBM for a little while, and then moved over to Nestle. Um, I was a brand manager there for several years and. Um, was on this, I got a career path to, you know, just keep me in corporate America, but then I had my first child, um, my son Ronan, who's eight years old now, but when he was born, it kind of just sort of changed everything. It changed all of my priorities. Um, the things that I used to kind of take for granted professionally, like going to happy hours and, you know, staying late at work for meetings or even just traveling, like going to conferences or just traveling for work, just started getting harder and harder. Um, not only because I wanted to spend time with him, but just because of childcare. Um, it was the biggest issue I had because my husband and I didn't have our parents in town. Uh, my parents lived in New Jersey. His parents lived in New Jersey, and we lived in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so there was times where we were ships passing in the night. We, uh, you know, had to travel at the same time. We had a babysitter literally bring our son home when he was like six months old and stay in our house and you know, get up in the morning, get him ready and take him back to school. Like mm -hmm. it was ridiculous for a little bit there. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning of the end for me. It took me about a year and a half or two years to kind of make the final decision, but I decided to leave my career. Um, I wasn't given a lot of 
uh, flexible options, if you will, with uh, work. And so I said, you know what, I think it's time for me to, to take a step back and, and spend more time with my son. And, um, you know, as honorable as I thought it was at the time, I realized after about six months or so of being a stay-at-home mom that, oh my gosh, I think I may have made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, not only because we, um, because I left my career and I was, you know, home with my son, but we moved as well. So we moved to Pittsburgh. Um, we moved from St. Louis to Pittsburgh and, um, my husband's company is here in Pittsburgh. So we wanted to be closer to them and we wanted to be closer to our family as well. We're within driving distance now, which is great, but it really threw me for a loop because I felt so disconnected professionally from my colleagues and from my career and everything. And, um, what I started doing after we moved here, probably about two years after being a full-time stay-at-home mom, I'd had my second child in that time, was I started a consulting company um, to help small businesses and startups with this, some of the same strategic marketing work that I'd been doing in my career. And the company was doing fantastic, but the issue that I continually ran into time and again was childcare. Um, I couldn't go to networking events in the evenings. Um, I still remember... There were times where I would literally stand at the threshold of my front door waiting for my husband to come home, like mm. about to like sprint out of the door to be like, you have to get home at five o'clock because that's when I have to leave to go to this networking event. Um, but more importantly, I couldn't go to my client meetings. So I had a, I'd have client meetings at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and I couldn't just randomly call a nanny to watch my kids for one hour. Yeah. So I would end up bringing my kids with me to client meetings and, you know, there's only so many times you can do that before you start looking a little bit unprofessional. You've got yeah. your three-year-old with her uh, iPad and the baby in the pumpkin seat who's crying and wants a bottle and you're trying to seem and sound legit and you just can't. And so um, it, that threw me for a loop as well. You know, I kind of went down this sort of rabbit hole of, you know, this, this stinks and why did I leave my career? And oh my God, this, this is horrible. But after kind of not only doing some soul searching, but also some, some real research, I realized that this was actually an issue that many women faced who left their career. Um, it's part of a bigger issue, which has been coined as the motherhood penalty um, that, you know, encompasses a lot of things beyond just, you know, re-entry into the workforce, but it has a lot to do even with maternity leave and with um, promotion and opportunities that come for women um, or lack thereof once they have children. And so it kind of uh, lit a fire under my butt. And I was like, wait a second, this is wrong. Like, this is not cool that I have to scrounge up friends or, you know, relatives and try and pack all of this stuff into the week when my parents are coming to visit because I literally don't have access to childcare. Um, and so that started me down a path of trying to figure out how to fit work and life together. That was sort of the beginning of that shift within my professional and personal mindset was how do you fit life and work together? Um, I started looking into creating a co-working space with drop-in childcare because I was like, you know what, if I can't go to these networking meetings and I have to bring my kids to the Panera and have them, you know, basically take over the meeting, why not have a mutual space where somebody can watch my kids, but I can still have a professional meeting. So I connected with a friend of mine here in Pittsburgh that um, runs a co-working space, and he and I tried to bring the concept to the area that I'm in. And unfortunately, um, I guess fortunately, it didn't quite work for real estate reasons. We weren't able to really find the best place. But 
what it did was it led me to find my co-founder for Flexible, which is Jessica Strong. So Jessica was literally doing the exact same thing I was doing, but across mm. town in Pittsburgh. It was nuts. Like, same exact time, same exact concept. It was on, I'm oh, sorry, it was um, co-working space with drop-in childcare. So she and I connected on Facebook. It was like sparks flying, like unicorns and happiness. I was like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? We got together for dinner in December of 2015. So this was about a year or so into my newfound crusade to, you know, kind of get life and work to fit together. And after having dinner once, the second time we had dinner, this was in February of 2016, we started talking about going into business together. We said, this is a bigger issue than just the two of us. And it's a bigger issue than just freelancers and consultants not being able to go to their meetings. Mm -hmm. So we took that idea. We were like, okay, this is an idea at this point, but it's got to have wings. It's got to be more than just us sitting at dinner having chips and salsa. And we took the idea to Alana Diamond, who is the managing director of Alpha Lab and Alpha Lab Gear in Pittsburgh. Alpha Lab is a um, like nationwide uh, or um, a world-renowned, if you will, uh, accelerator program for um, startups in the Pittsburgh area. Okay. And we had lunch with her. We were like, hey, what do you think of this idea of helping moms find last-minute childcare, you know, kind of at a moment's notice by using technology in order to intelligently connect, you know, women, moms with caregivers? She's like, brilliant. Apply to the accelerator program and, and let's, let's get you in. And we're like, ha, you're right. <laughs> we're like, it's just an idea. She was like, no, do it. And so we did. Um, Jessica and I got together. It was hilarious. I still remember. We got together at the library on a Sunday with our kids in tow. We were sitting in the children's section of the library and working on our pitch to Alpha Lab. We were putting together this deck that, you know, had our vision and sort of what the tech would look like and how much funding we would need. And our kids are running around and coloring. And this was all just, you know, how our lives were at the time. And we went in a few days later, we pitched to Alpha Lab and we got accepted. Um, and that was the beginning of this whole journey. We were given um, seed funding, which was amazing. So we got $50,000 in seed funding. Uh, we got an office space and we were given um, the mentorship and sort of the, uh, the catalyst to kind of push us to start our company. Um, we were given free legal counsel to create our LLC. Um, we had access to a pool of interns and other resources and assets that were able to kind of help us get things started. And um, we initially started as a platform to help parents and caregivers connect sort of in that last minute time frame, but that quickly iterated after doing a ton of research and after um, really deep diving into not only what the need state is for parents, but also for caregivers, we realized that the biggest piece that was missing out of the platform that we were trying to create, and quite frankly, out of a lot of the platforms that exist today, like the um, care.coms of the world, if you will, is the trust factor. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to find somebody at the last minute without having to vet them and say, okay, well, why don't you come to my house and I'll meet you and you can meet my kids and you can see my house and blah, 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 and all of the things. There's no way that you can find somebody in a pinch. So about August of 2017, last year, we iterated our model, our business model from a two-sided marketplace, this platform that we were creating to kind of this three-pronged 
on-demand service that allowed for childcare to pop up in various locations where parents were going. So what Flexible does now is we provide on-demand, on-site childcare at offices, conferences, and events. And all of this was born out of that need state that parents kept continuously coming to us with, which was going back to exactly my problem too. I can't go to that networking event at 5 p.m. because I don't have childcare. And so again, that feeds back into the motherhood penalty. Mothers are not able to be at networking events, to meet potential employers, to meet potential um, clients, to meet colleagues that they can um, collaborate with because of childcare. And so we are on a mission to lower that barrier and create innovative solutions to help life and work fit. And that's what Flexible does. So when you originally, um, when you were talking about the, the lunch that you had with the woman with the accelerator, did did either of you know her beforehand or was that a cold call? You know, that's just a good question. Um, I didn't know her, um, Alana Diamond, uh, but I think my co-founder Jessica had known of her, but neither of us were friends with her. Like, it wasn't like a, hey, how have you, how have you been? Let's catch right. up for lunch. It was certainly, uh, oh, I would say maybe like a warm phone, uh, a warm conversation. It was very much like a mentor mentee type thing okay. of someone connected us. We're like, yeah, sure. We'll totally talk to her. It was, it was definitely a little, uh, nerve wracking, but it was incredible to see the level of support that she was willing to give us because what we hear time and again, especially from women, not only in the entrepreneur space, but even just in the professional field is, and, and these are also very established women who, you know, are at the top of, of their professional game is I wish this existed when I was, you know, coming up through the ranks. And I'm like, that's so great. So how is it uh, working with a partner, being an entrepreneur with a with a partner? How has that been for you? <laughs> it has been the best thing ever. Um, we joke often, Jessica and I, that like we would legit marry each other if we could. Um, <laughs> she is quite honestly, I, I feel like she is She's the best thing that's ever happened to me professionally, seriously. Um, I think one of the things that we do extremely, extremely well is we are very vulnerable with each other. Um, and that's hard to do, especially in the entrepreneur space where you kind of always have to have your A game on. You kind of always have to like, you know, act like everything's really good and going really well. But it's not always going to be. And it's wonderful to have a partner that um, I can be like just truly vulnerable with. Um, I have often said that, uh, I think, and I think she would agree with this, that she is my secret weapon and I'm her secret weapon. <laughs> like, I think we would not be able to do this without each other. Um, it is a very demanding and very taxing thing for anybody, especially a mom. Um, tonight, for example, so my husband, uh, is CTO of his company. So he is often traveling, often going to like high powered meetings and whatnot, so I'm often, you know, taking care of the kids. And tonight specifically, um, my older son is practicing for a school concert with his cello. And um, we had three or four loads of laundry that I had to fold. And my younger son is a little bit sick, but we just, we have to do it. And while I'm folding laundry and dealing with my kids, my co-founder was at an event. Um, and she was, you know, talking about childcare to potential uh, you know, customers and investors and 
that's just how this works. We divide and conquer everything. Um, there are absolutely days and times and periods where we each have this whole, like, I need to go into my shell and not talk to anybody, or I don't know if I can do this anymore. And the other person just has to keep going. And that's the best part about having such a passionate and intelligent partner is that in those moments, we have picked up each other's slack. And that's what's gotten us to where we are today. So when you hit that period where you realized that your initial idea of a platform was not the idea you were going to go with, was that a discouraging period for you guys? Or or did you immediately kind of come up with a new idea and rolled with it? That is such a good question. Because I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs like hit that, I, I want to call it a milestone, quite honestly, where you have to iterate, um, where you have to pivot. And there's so many different ways that you can take it. You can totally take it personally and be like, well, you know, that stinks. You know, nobody, these people don't know what they're talking about or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I think everybody hits it and it's just really how you react to it. And I think part of the reason why we were able to roll with it is because of my background in marketing. I saw, and, and definitely Jessica too, saw this, um, like the writing on the wall, if you will, that we didn't have a business model. We, we saw that people were excited about the option of having last minute childcare available to them, but the, the, the intent was there, but the actual usage, it totally wasn't because somebody could say, Hey, Oh, Lydia's on the platform. I'm going to contact her. But once they directly connect with that caregiver, they're not going to use our platform anymore. I mean, that's you see that with the care.coms of the world. Right. The attrition rate is huge. You pay the $35 or whatever, you find your caregiver, you cancel your subscription. Like, that's just right. how it works. So we saw the writing on the wall. And because we, we kind of pegged it around this whole notion of research and how the research was telling us that this is probably not going to work, it made it a lot easier to be like, okay, well... Let's try something else. We also were really lucky, Lydia, in that um, we just happened to have an opportunity come to us at exactly that moment when we were like, huh, what are we going to do with this? So um, my co-founder, Jessica, was still um, running her co-working space while we were, um, you know, in the process of launching Flexible and kind of testing things out and kind of figuring out product market fit, if you will. And in the midst of that, uh, one of our friends just happened to get in touch with her and was like, hey, do you think you could do childcare at this event that we're having next week? And huh. we were kind of like, sure, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And it was like, you know, we went home, we got some coloring books from our kids, and we just like grabbed whatever things we could. And the two of us went to this event, and it was like a light bulb went off, and we're like, oh my God, wait a second. They paid us, parents are here, like we're getting like it, it just all made perfect sense in our minds. So then we immediately were like, huh, let's keep trying this while we were still going down the path of let's try to still build out our platform, you know, keep doing research. But at the same time, we made sure that we got all of our ducks in a row from an insurance perspective and um, tried to, you know, have as many legal meetings as possible with our lawyer. And it all just sort of came together, but it was also because we were open to the idea that we needed to change. Um, and I think if more and more entrepreneurs are open to that idea that this is kind of a milestone when you reach this point where you say, okay, well, we don't quite have product market fit, 
But there's something else that's sort of cropping up, or maybe we should go down this route and test this. It, it's kind of a rite of passage. I, it's almost like when people say, like, fail fast. It's almost like that, but this wasn't a failure at all. It was purely just a pivot. Um, we're still on the same mission. We're still trying to help parents find childcare, And we're still trying to help there be life work fit for parents. It's just with a different ex- execution of it. Hmm. So uh, do you listen to how I built this on mm-hmm. NPR? Okay, because you know how he always uh, asks, is your success luck or is it hard work? And um, it's interesting in your story right there of of like, obviously, you guys are working very hard, but you had a lucky moment right there of yeah. somebody presenting you with this. Uh, exactly. That's this right. Light bulb moment. But I, I would say, though, it's not lucky because I bet you that not everybody would have seen it as an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I think that just goes back to Jessica and I were like, again, we have the the background, like from a business perspective, but we also just get it from a parent standpoint. We've been there. And so the fact that we were able to see people come to the event and the feedback that we got was, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I wouldn't have been able to come to this event if it didn't have childcare. And that's what like, oh, my God, this is it. Like, it just made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are definitely lucky, I will say, in that Pittsburgh has been incredibly wonderful to us. Um, we have leveraged our personal networks to try and grow. Um, word of mouth has been the biggest driver marketing-wise for us. And mm-hmm. we have not had to work hard at all from a press perspective um, because people just really love what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I do, I do uh, chalk that up to luck. Like I think being in this market and being able to, uh, you know, pitch to Alpha Lab, for example, and having them believe in us when we literally just had anecdotal data, um, that's, that's the luck. I think um, that was fantastic because there's certainly you know, markets around the country. And absolutely, there are places and people that don't necessarily want to invest in uh, female founders or women of color. Um, so we were certainly lucky from that standpoint. So you, you obviously are very uh, a, a positive person overall. But do you have times where, you, you know, you're discouraged? You, you're like, why are we doing this? How do you how oh, do you yeah. with that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think this goes back to, you know, when you have a partner um, and you're able to kind of tap out for a little bit. You know, I think the biggest thing that we give ourselves, which I think is, is just so important, is mental health time. Everybody goes through those moments where they're just down and out. They're like, man, this isn't going to work or, oh, my God, this sucks and I don't want to do this anymore. And it's important to honor those feelings and the fact that we have each other to be able to honor those feelings and be like, listen, I'm taking Friday off. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to sit on my couch and watch Scandal all day and that's it. (laughs) And I've done that before, like legit done that. Um, You need it uh, because then it gives you perspective. Because there are days where, you know, I think back to my days in corporate America and how, yes, it was phenomenal to get a paycheck every two weeks. And it was phenomenal to be able to have a company laptop and all these other things. But there are so many things I don't miss about corporate America that I just love about being my own boss. And having those moments to have perspective 
regardless of where that time, you know, the, the need for it is coming from, if you're feeling really crappy about everything, or if you're just having a bad day, it's so important to have that time to reflect. And I'm so glad that it's ingrained in our culture. Um, you know, we have uh, about 20 caregivers that we work with um, in Pittsburgh. We um, have uh, a team of four people on our management team, and we uh, consistently tell everybody that, you know, if you need time for yourself, let us know. You know, this is not something where it's a nine to five, five days a week, and you have to work 40 hours or else you don't get blah, blah, blah. This is, hey, you know what? We get it. Life comes first. And if that means that you need time for yourself, then so be it. It's exciting you get to create a culture of a business. It is. I know. It's cool. And it's like really nerve wracking too, because there's times where, and that's the other thing I love about having a a co-founder is you don't feel the weight of everything on your shoulders alone. Um, My my co-founder, Jessica and I, we are co-CEOs. And you're starting to see that more and more, especially with female-run companies. Um, I think uh, there's a company called Alfred in New York City that is uh, run by co-CEOs. There's another one called Work, I think, that's also in New York that's run by co-CEOs. There's several out in the West Coast that um, have the same uh, makeup, if you will. And it really helps because the two of us have complementary skill sets, but we certainly also have very similar ones as well. And um, it allows us to not only uh, take that time for ourselves if we need it, but um, we step up when we need to. We have the credibility and the know-how to kind of move the company forward. But we also, we joke about this often that we share a brain. Like we literally share, like we finish each other's sentences. It's great. Which is why we can never be in a podcast together because all we do is talk <laughs> over each other and it's like really distracting. But um, it, it, it just allows us to um, continuously move the company forward because we implicitly trust each other. And that has been another really huge asset. I've seen other startups where there are co-founders and when they, there's not that level of trust and vulnerability, it ends up leading to not so great things. And I, I think that actually is one of the main reasons why startups fail is because the team isn't right. And if the team isn't aligned um, on everything, you know, to your point, culturally or, you know, obviously from a business perspective and a growth perspective and even from a philosophy standpoint, where are you getting your funding from? Who are you willing to go to and ask or who are you not willing to go to and ask? Um, which markets do you want to be in? How far are you willing to stretch yourself? Um, if you're not aligned on those things, you're not going to go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica and I are 100% aligned on everything. You know, we don't typically work more than 35 hours a week. And that's mainly because there's so much demand from a uh, um, a childcare standpoint for both of us, because we both have five kids between the two of us. She's got three, I've got two. They all are in elementary school still. Um, oh, with the exception of um, her oldest is in uh, middle school. But uh, it's it's hard. And we understand that and we respect that. And we will never count the hours that we work. We will never count the hours that our associates work, that you know our team members work. Um, we won't count the hours that our caregivers work because that's how we do payroll. But uh, <laughs> but aside from that, it's that trust factor that really, I think, is the cornerstone of our culture and what we're trying to create as a company. So do you feel like you're personally 
managing that work-life balance now? Do you feel like you have a good uh, handle on it? So the, I I don't like the term work-life balance. Okay. <laughs> because I think in my mind it means that work and life are the same weight. Um, oh yeah. And I that's don't, a good point. Yeah, I don't believe it at all. I th- like uh, we like to call it life work fit because there's okay. life. And right. the work is just one of the little pegs that fits into it. Like if you think of it as like a puzzle piece of life, there's like, you know, finances and there's vacations and there's, you know, health and there's your marriage and there's work and there's kids and all of the different, and your parents. And, you know, you think about um, the sandwich generation um, and how there's more and more people who are unfortunately having to take care of their children and their parents at the same time. Um, you know, that's when you start thinking about what the heck work-life balance, my goodness, you yeah. have double the uh, responsibilities that a lot of people have. Um, and so that's why we think of it from this perspective, because um, flexible, and the reason why we chose the name flexible, we want to go well beyond childcare and think about all of those other opportunities to help life and work fit together. Um, is that algae care? Is that pet care? Is it all these other areas that people are needing that support um, and that service to help make all of these puzzle pieces fit together as, as best possible? Yeah, I like that. That's Thanks. a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what would what are your hopes for this next year for you guys? I, I know you said going national, but what does that kind of look like? Yeah. So um we're really, really excited. We've got a few partners in some key cities that we're starting to work with. Um, I think our hope is uh, just to keep things moving at the pace and the trajectory that they're going. We, again, have been very lucky um, in the city of Pittsburgh, not only in how quickly they've adopted um, our model, but how supportive they've been across the board. And we hope to replicate that in these other places. Um, it is definitely scary to kind of hand control over a little tiny bit to some other folks, but um, I think we're taking a very methodical and a very intentional approach to scaling. And I think our biggest goal for 2019 is to see that through and to hopefully have uh, our model successfully replicate in other cities. So what were you guys doing for childcare in that beginning stage? <laughs> oh, bringing our kids everywhere with us. Uh, no, yeah. you know, it's funny. Yeah, it was really hard. You know, when we were in the Alpha Lab Accelerator program, I had to leave at 2 o'clock in the afternoon every day to go get my kids. And the worst part was it was during the summertime. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really, it was hard. Um, there was a lot of times where our kids came with us. But the, the nice thing about Jessica and I is we were unapologetic about having our kids with us. And I, that's one thing I learned is that it's not my fault that my kids have to be with me. It's society's fault. It's, hey, you haven't made accommodations for me to be able to do all the things. So here are my children and they will be here. Um, the nice thing is the accelerator program that we were in is kind of like the tech world in general with like the ping pong tables and the... Um, yeah. you know, the, the foosball and like the, you know, all these like cool things. And so they were able to like keep themselves occupied, which was really nice. But, you know, there were definitely times where, um, you know, I would have to knock out an event and that's where having a partner has been instrumental because we've been able to divide and conquer. Um, again, you know, like, uh, my, my co-founder too, she has a, 
um, her husband has a very demanding schedule too. He's a chef in town and he actually owns his own restaurant. And so uh, it's been tough for them uh, as a family to juggle schedules like, shoot, he's got to open the restaurant and some days he has to close, but no, she's got a networking event and blonde. So we're constantly, you know, just this, this dance of how do we sort of fit everything together? And childcare definitely comes up. We've heard the joke from investors and from people, aha, you guys should use yourselves. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, we should. But <laughs> until, you know, this becomes uh, kind of commonplace in society, you know, we, we unfortunately are living the issue that we're trying to solve. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing for, for mom entrepreneurs is oh. that, especially that period where you're not making money yet or you're not you know, making much, um, of, of needing childcare and that struggle of like, how can I justify paying for childcare if I'm not bringing in an income yet? Exactly. Um, it's really challenging for a lot of women. Exactly. And, and to your point, Lydia, what we've done, you know, not only from a fundraising perspective, but, you know, even just, uh, as we've brought revenue in, Jessica and I take home a very modest stipend each month. And that stipend literally goes to childcare. So my nanny, uh, uh, two to three days a week, will pick my kids up from school so that I can go to some networking events. And Jessica and I kind of have a rule where we try to go to at least two networking events a week so that we just, word of mouth has been the biggest driver for us. And so the more places that we can be, the more people that we can talk to, the more times people can see us in the flesh, the more we can get done, the better our business does. But that is all predicated around having childcare, and um, I'm extremely lucky. And I, I like to say, Jess, Jessica is as well that we have extremely supportive um, uh, spouses. My spouse, my husband, um, almost on a weekly basis, will ask me, "What days do you need me home this week?" It's great. Hmm. So we talk about that, you know, on the weekends. Like, okay, what does your week look like? And so, you know, like tonight, for example. You told me a couple days ago, hey, you know, I've got to go to dinner on Wednesday. I'm like, that's fine. Go for it. Because I know last night he put the kids down because I was at an event. And so uh, we have to, we just have to balance all of that. And we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have that support. I will say too, having older kids that also understand what's going on helps tremendously too. My kids really do love the fact that, you know, mommy is doing these things and they come to some events with me. So you know, there's been several times where a caregiver, unfortunately, can't make it to an event. We had one time where a caregiver got into a car accident on the way to an event, which was horrible. She was fine, thank goodness. But I jumped in the car, brought my kids, and I went to the events that I could provide childcare. And that mm. happens often. As an entrepreneur, to your point, I mean, you have to put every single hat on. And thank goodness our company is it revolves around childcare. And so we're able to bring our kids. We tell our caregivers that too. Um, the best anecdote, I love this so much, was we were interviewing a caregiver once and um, Jessica just happened to say, oh yeah, by the way, you can bring your kids to the events that you work at. And mm-hmm. she looked down and was like, you know, writing something. And then she looked back up and the caregiver was crying. But uh, of course we start crying and, you know, it's like all this, but like she said, no one has ever told me that I could bring my kids to work with me. And we were like, that is such BS and that needs to change. And so that's what pushes us to do the best that we possibly can. We want to try to not only elevate the conversation around childcare, but we also want to make things equitable for caregivers, for the caregiving profession, for parents, 
for companies. It is all about leveling the playing field. So I have one more question and it is, what kind of advice would you give to another mom entrepreneur? Oh, don't stop. (laughs) It's so easy to stop. Oh, gosh, I've seen so many amazing women who come up with these amazing ideas. And there's so many barriers in the way and they end up giving up. And it's it's heartbreaking to see because it happens too often. Um, I think the, then the best ways to not stop, number one, is to try and find a co-founder. I cannot stress that enough. So many women are on the same mission. Um, there's a lot of women that are trying to drive equity in the workplace or they're trying to help women get back into the workplace or they're trying to help moms meet each other or whatever it may be. But there's so many people that are trying to do the same thing don't compete with each other, collaborate. If there's a way for you to get together and to create a bigger vision, do it because that is the easiest way you're going to actually see that, that vision to fruition. If Jessica and I were like, Ooh, we're not partners. We are competitors. We would not be anywhere today. We would have both failed by now. The fact that we collaborated, the fact that we said, how the heck do we solve this together? That's why we are where we are. The other big thing is try to find as much support as you possibly can. I know it is so much easier said than done. There are a lot of women that unfortunately are not in super supportive relationships like I'm in whose husbands don't ask them what days do you need me home this week or who don't literally jump in and take care of the kids and do all of the things. And that's where you have to find support in other places. Um, If that means asking family members or asking friends or going online to Facebook and finding other mom entrepreneurs or finding accelerator programs that are willing to invest in your idea and you. Um, I think it's so important to find that support group. And I wish that I could say, here is that magical support group, join it. But I don't. Um, But I know there's so many um, around the country. Um, And I think, you know, the other thing is just keep believing in yourself. I think a lot of moms think their idea is flippant or, ah, it's just cute or, oh, no, whatever. Don't listen to somebody who tells you your idea is cute. You know how many people told us, oh, that's cute. You're at daycare. Oh, that's really cute. We're like, no, 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 it's not cute. We're solving a real problem. Keep believing in yourself and don't let investors or naysayers or people who want to tell you that your idea is dumb don't don't let them don't let them tell you that i think the idea of approaching something like an incubator would be too intimidating for a lot of people or just think um uh, sort of like the imposter syndrome yes. like i i don't have enough you know xyz to to even be in that playing field at all but it's like you don't know until you do it. Exactly. And oh my gosh, Lydia, that's it. That's exactly it. We had, especially me, I mean, after being a stay-at-home mom for two years and literally being told by a recruiter that I could not get a job because I had a gap on my resume, I had mm. such imposter syndrome going into Alpha Lab. I was like, we're not going to get in. Even when they told us we got in, we're like, no, we didn't. We're like, they're going <laughs> to change the code on us. They're going to be like, psych, just kidding. Like seriously, totally doubted ourselves. But you have to push past it. And even if it is like having that, you know, cheerleading section behind you to be like, you can do it. You're going to be awesome. It, it's it, that's you have to just push through it. Um, I am not shy to admit that I ended up um, working with a confidence coach because it really did oh. get hard because my imposter syndrome was really eating away at me. There was a point, um, you know, kind of 
during the pivot and kind of during some other up and down times and, you know, the two years where I was like, I have no business being the CEO of a company. Like I literally had that thought go through my head and my co-founder was like, no, you totally do. Like you need to go talk to somebody that can help you realize that you do. And so I did. I found a confidence coach and she helped me tremendously. I, How did you find her? This is fascinating. Yeah. You know, actually it was through some um, other mutual friends who were like, yeah, this is um, someone who helps entrepreneurs. And it was huge. Like I was not born with this like, yeah, I can do it. And so can you. It, it's step by step. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes persistence. And it takes a change in mindset and you cannot do that by yourself and you should not do that by yourself. And I think you're kidding yourself if you think you can do it by yourself. You need help. And if if that's through your family or friends or a confidence coach or a therapist, seek that out. Because I bet you, whoever's listening to this, your idea is worth it and you are worth it as a founder. Um, so many people give up because they don't seek out the support that they need. Some people think that either you have the support or you don't, or the support will come to you. You need to go ask for it. And if you don't, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get too far. <laughs> I have to, it's one of the reasons, well, it's one of the reasons for doing this podcast, but the I, I listen like constantly to entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial stories because I need that, uh, in my head, the story of of people overcoming the difficulties of, of of building anything because it's you know the universal story of struggling and possibly pivoting and not giving up and that it's you know you can look from the outside at, at anything and think oh wow they just built that overnight and it magically appeared you know right. and it's it's that's never true exactly. it's you know it's always exactly it's always difficult and and you know you don't know how to do something until you do it right. like if you've and that's how you learn how to do that's it right. is through is through doing it the first time so just because you've never done it before doesn't mean you can't you just gotta you know, figure it out. Exactly. And And that's why you can't stress enough. um, Just taking the time to find a co-founder. You know, um, when I started my consulting company, I did it by myself. And it's great. It's really empowering to be like, hey, I get to call the shots and I get to make all the decisions. Um, But at the end of the day, when you've got to pay invoices and you've got to um, do all the admin stuff, but wait, hold on, I have to get more clients and wait, hold on, I have to do social media and wait, I have to go to this networking event and wait, wait, wait. All of a sudden, you are swamped and overloaded, and then you feel like you, you're barely treading water, if, if that. Um, but having a co-founder helps to delegate and helps to kind of put things in perspective and to just bounce ideas off of and to take the time to find someone. I can't stress this enough, too. Um, dating in the business world is extremely important. <laughs> um, even when it comes to, you know, of course, co-founders, but also with... Um, employees, like hiring people. It's really important to uh, date people and kind of say, hey, want to be a contractor for a little bit and kind of see how it works um, before you kind of jump in and, uh, you know, really get things going because it really helps to not only understand your work ethic and kind of the things that you need to work on, but then the other person as well. Um, And that's been one of the biggest ahas that I've had just from hiring not only caregivers, but also our team members is, when you take the time to intentionally date uh, a new person professionally and you really understand what 
they're made of, but what they can also, you know, create for you or like later on, but also what they want to achieve for themselves. Uh, you really create a uh, compelling career opportunity for them. Um, and you do definitely get the most out of that person because they truly want to be there. Um, a lot of people uh, believe that you have to shell out, you know, a ton of money for the best talent and blah, blah, blah. It's not true. There's so many great people if you give them the chance, but you also have to kind of figure out if it's the right fit. Um, so a lot of the same sort of like life principles when it comes to dating and just meeting people can definitely be incorporated into the business world too. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking with me and I wish you guys all the the luck and I hope, you know, you guys have a great year coming up and it's exciting. Thank you so much, Lydia. Thanks for the opportunity and I'm, I'm really happy to to talk about this. Big thanks to Priya for being on the show today. I'm really excited to see where Flexible goes in the next few years. I was particularly intrigued in this interview about Priya's consulting a confidence coach, and I wanted to know more about that. So I had Priya get me in contact with her coach, Sarah Jane Lowry. And Sarah Jane is our guest next week. I can't wait to share this interview with you because Sarah Jane shared so many wonderful insights about building confidence and overcoming imposter syndrome. There were literally points in this interview that I was speechless and I really have thought so much about the things that she said after the interview, they have stuck with me. So be sure to check that out next Tuesday. And as always, you can swing over to the Gold Digger Mom website to get the show notes from today's show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you join me again soon.